0: to Big Feelings, the podcast where two prematurely crap crotchety weirdos in suburban exile talk about parenting and other strange, gross, and interesting things. Happy holidays. I'm Low. I'm Ginger. Good morning. Oh man, it's been way too long. We've had some hiccups because mm-hmm. the case that I'm covering is UFO stuff, and I was doing all this research, and I was very confused, and I thought if I had a little extra time to dig a little deeper that I could figure it out. And so now I've had two weeks. Actually, it made it way worse (laughs) because I've just kept doing it. I've stuck with it. And
1: did you finish? I'm more confused than ever.
0: I finished three books and then a chapter in another book. Okay. And I've read every single website and it's, just made me that much more confused. So that it's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I don't feel like we have any fruit flies in our backpack, but we have some beautiful hummingbirds. Tweet tweet tweet. Because we are going to be attending. We are not presenting, nor will we be manning a booth or a table. But we are
1: going to be at. Oh right! I was like, what? Our, fruit flies turned into hummingbirds. Like it's that? our mom, Yes. So we're going to go to Seattle
0: PodCon 2. So if you see us there, come come say hi. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for you to get some podcast culture. Mm. I think it's... Yeah, this is my first, like, all podcast festival. Because mm-hmm. I've been to some other festivals where there were podcasts. But this is my first pod con. In Seattle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if we can do some cosplay or um, dressed as our favorite podcasters.
1: What? What?
0: Really? I don't know. <gasps> that would be awesome, though. I hope there is cosplay. <laughs> and then the other thing that I wanted to mention is since we've started making a podcast, I've really... I have really started listening to other indie podcasts because I'm really starting to feel like this is almost like the music scene in the Mm. nineties where there's all this fun underground indie Mm -hmm. stuff going on and I'm very picky though, so it can be kind of self-flagellating and my list of things that will cause me to unsubscribe is getting longer and longer. (laughs) I really appreciate production and editing and keeping shit tight.
1: What are you talking about? Oh, gross. I'm, you Is know, that what you're talking about? I'm going to cut that out. It's so
0: <laughs> gross. <laughs> so yeah, I've been checking some stuff well, out, you picky. but I did find one that I really love that I want to share with you guys. It's called just the tipsters. Yes. So we're down with JTT and it's a true crime podcast hosted by this rad lady named Melissa. And I love her voice. Like I love her vo her voice, mm-hmm. like her actual, mm-hmm. but I also just love her voice in the other sense of the word. But sometimes I just put it on cause I just want to hear her voice. Cause I find it incredibly, really soothing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like, I, I need this right now. And I was listening to, I highly recommend her grim sleeper trilogy that she did a three parter, which now that I'm making a podcast, I'm like, Oh, that's an accomplishment too, to, to split it into mm-hmm. three parts It's mm-hmm. something we haven't tackled yet. With today's case, I might need to cause it's so fucking weird. <laughs> so she did that. And I actually, for the first time I listened to a shit ton of true crime podcasts and I was driving along and I was like, I feel weird. Oh, I haven't been breathing. (laughs) Like, I had actually stopped breathing because I was so focused on the story she was telling. Love the podcast. Love her. She's a fucking magical unicorn. So check it out. Just the tipsters everywhere that you find podcasts. So, it's the holiday season. Holiday season. It eats your brain. It makes you want to
1: cry. And you want to go home. But (laughs) you gotta go and get those presents now. Christmas is a lot of mom work. Yeah. And you just watch other moms do all the work too. Yeah.
0: It's really exhausting for parents. Yeah. And I want to talk about the greatest Tulpa of them all, mm. Santa, Mm-hmm. because I'm starting to wonder why the fuck we do this, where <laughs> yet again, women are tricked into doing a shitload of work and giving some fucking guy, some man, <laughs> all the credit for our hard work, because- I know that there are families out there where dads do all the shopping Mm -hmm. and all the Mm -hmm. wrapping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to believe that there are my husband who, you know, he's perfect and amazing. And so he does all of the outside work and he puts up the tree, which I value so much because I don't know if you've seen it. There's a lot of outside work. Mm -hmm. We have a scene in our (laughs) front yard that involves many plastic animals. I kind of collect Non Christmasy Christmas things. Mm. But There's, they have like
1: magical Christmas uniforms on or something. They're like Christmassy,
0: but I avoid Reindeer, Santa, I go Abominable for Snowman. I do have an Abominable oh, Snowman. You, do? you know, I just know it when I see it. I go on December 26th to Lowe's and I.
1: No way. Yeah, that's what you do. <gasps> no. I've always tried to be that lady. I've always tried to be the lady to shop right after Christmas and I just can't do it. I can't. It's like, I can't buy things right after Halloween. It's like after Halloween, it's, it's time so for Thanksgiving. I 70% off, dude. I, I'm very marketable too. Like I, you can really like get me to do anything you want <laughs> as as a consumer. Cause I will just do it. It's great. And then you put it in a tote and next year you're like, Hey, you're totally going to be that grandma. That has like every Christmas present planned out for like the next four years. You just go into your closet and you take it out and you're yeah. like, Oh, little Jimmy that. is going to get a, a little teddy. There's been
0: years where I've had all my Christmas shopping done by Halloween. And I highly recommend it. Holy crap. Because I was able to just enjoy the season. Now that was before I had kids. I had that closet and it was full of alcohol and scented candles and bath bombs
1: Yeah, I just... Oh, my God, you're already there. Yeah, I'm there. You have that closet already? Yeah. Oh, oh my God, I feel like I've got to catch up.
0: Prematurely crotchety. I have embraced being elderly (laughs) since my
1: late 20s. (laughs) So, you know. Uh, I try. I I really do try, but I find that I just put it off until the very last minute. I'm frantically wrapping shit, like, right before... Christmas morning. I think it's harder with kids because there's, you don't want to get too invested. Like they're like,
0: I really love this thing. And so you're like, great. You really love this thing. I'm going to go buy a bunch of that thing. And then two months later, it's like that thing's stupid. I don't want anything to do with it. (laughs) I don't know how much frozen shit you've, and I don't mean like, you
1: know, parents know, but Mm. yeah, we Uh, had
0: one Christmas where it was, I was just like, great. She likes frozen. I don't even think she really did, but it was all out there. So I had the like three and a half foot tall Elsa. Yeah. So much of that. And Whoa. then it was Shopkins and now we still have a house full of Shopkins stuff and she's not really, <laughs> I got rid of, I cleaned, I did a make way for Santa and I cleaned out four garbage bags worth of toys because she's transitioning.
1: Now, how do you do that? Do you do that while she's like at school? She doesn't care.
0: I'm like, you're just, I, I'm like, gonna if you care, this, you can this. help me. Mm. If you want to have a say, you can be in here in the trenches with me. If you want to, pick your nose and play Roblox while I indiscriminately get rid of all of your things, (laughs) then that's your choice. And so she made her choice. So I got rid of four garbage bags worth of stuff.
1: Shoot. Okay. And then four
0: garbage bags worth of garbage. So eight trash bags total from her eight foot by 10 foot bedroom.
1: All right. We are not that severe in our house, but one thing that really um, seems to accumulate very easily in our house is stuffed animals. Oh, fuck stuffed animals, Uh. which, I have just now told my children I'm not ever buying Mm -hmm. you a stuffed animal ever again. Nope. And of course I do. But, um, and because they all are super
0: significant and special. They're so
1: special. So here's what I did. I took all of their stuffed animals and I put them in a, (laughs) I put them in a garbage bag, like every single one, like the most special ones. And then the piece of shit, like Valentine teddy bears I have are holding the heart or whatever, Mm -hmm. put them all in a bag. And I said, okay, I'm going to keep these in here for three days. If you can tell me what's in here, it gets Ooh. to come out. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> and nice. my oldest daughter is like just taking it super serious. She's like, yes, I got this. And she was okay leaving some of them in there. But my, yeah. my second, my eight year old, well, I guess she was six at the time, super traumatized, crying, like, Oh, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, then it wasn't that special. special. It wasn't. I know. So I got rid of a ton and then I had to do it the next year. But the next year I was traumatized by my daughter being traumatized from what I did. And so I bought one of those, um, there's there's a little beanbag shell yeah, you can buy. I was just going to ask you if you had gotten the beanbag chair yeah. that you shove
0: all the you shove it, was it sold all out in there for forever. Yeah, like, you I shove get them it. all
1: in there. I think it's the most fabulous yeah. thing. It's
0: genius! So it makes lumpy, really Weird, uncomfortable beanbaggy type With chair. Plastic eyeballs <gasps> so poking great. you in the
1: butt. Yeah. So but it works. Would you recommend this product? Absolutely. One hundred percent. Sweet. Okay. It's so good. We just
0: my daughter, her twin locked bed had become a stuffed animal habitat and she had this tiny little area that she was like curled up in and she was just like surrounded by stuffed animals. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't feel that this is healthy. That's my
1: children up there. And you go in there and you could just kind of smell the dust has accumulated on them. They don't fucking care. They are totally happy, surrounded by stuffies it's, they have no room to yeah, sleep it's a weird hamster nest or, <laughs> made yes of it is it's in. like they get in and they're like ah pile them up on me yeah. Ooh, yeah yeah it just yeah.
0: Ugh. and so we have a thing that hangs in the closet that um we rotate stuff i'm like if you want to take something out put some you know put another yeah. thing in one of her most treasured ones it's kind of cute but it's like the free shit is always what they treasure the most so one oh. year we were we were selling cookies for the organization and there was one of those claw things where you grab stuffed animals. Oh yeah. So we're selling cookies and we see this guy come over and he's, he's really good. And he is like, boom, boom, boom. He gets like three stuffed animals out of there and he gives them to the girls.
1: Oh,
0: and they just thought that was so amazing and so cool. And so I was like, where'd this lamb come from? And she's like, Oh mama, that's the lamb that the man gave me. (laughs) And I was like, what? And she was like, "You we're selling cookies And, and she just treasures it. Yeah. So in a way I was like, okay, all these really like nice stuffed animals that relatives have bought. You shove people. them in the beanbag. Shove but, them in. But, you know, and then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, she has this memory of this stranger just doing this really unexpected, cool, fun thing for her. So then I was like, okay, we can never get rid of claw machine lamb.
1: Yeah. And well, then
0: they, they kind of smell like pee. What and-
1: about those things that they win at, like, um,
0: the Puyallup State Fair? Yep. Or- yep. Yeah. We came home from Dollywood with a suitcase full of those because... Uh-huh. There was no one playing the games of chance at Dollywood, so the guy was just like, "Just take it." <laughs> like the really big ones too. Where I was like, "Dude, oh, I'm trying to like really signal him, it. like you know, I'm doing the across uh-huh. the neck." Like, dude, we have to pack. <laughs> Please don't. So Wait, a bunch of those, and they home. probably
1: cost like a dollar. Yeah, it was buy. really
0: sweet and cute, and the kids were so stoked. But I was like,
1: where are we going to put these?
0: So, mm. A weird lizard." So we are going to see Santa today. Oh, because we, you, cause we oh, are. Yes, you, you see my Santa hallway. I, mm-hmm. I have to Every have year. my continuity right with the bunny and the Santa, and then sometimes a JCPenney portrait studio session in between because mm. I love that. I love the fake. I want the fakiest like <laughs> library. I want shit that doesn't make sense. I love when they're like, yeah, let's have them sit on this uh, sled in this library. And then there's like a Christmas tree and I'm like, perfect. I love it. Do we have any like sparkly fake snow that we can lay down? that's in the library for some weird reason. Like just crank it up. We do that. And they don't have lists this year. Hmm.
1: So I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, you I'm a little get in afraid. there and look because they, they could have, or at least Clem, she could have, you know, made a Christmas list to Santa like a secret one, and then not told um, you about it, and okay. then I'm like, well, maybe if I don't tell my mom, I'm going to find out. And I don't I know get. where she is on the belief scale. Yeah, have you asked her? I haven't picked at it. Yeah,
0: Harold is into it we watched the kurt russell santa claus movie on netflix did Did you watch it i loved it it was so good i was so
1: relieved that it wasn't uh, terrible and i knew the ending who he was going to be married to well yeah i I mean mean, that was obvious you had
0: to Mm -hmm. i was hoping also
1: alert it's mrs claus yeah it's weird to
0: me too because it makes me feel old because I've always had a total boner for Kurt. I, mean, I know. I mean, I Kurt know. Russell and Jeff Bridges. I, I know. You know, like I, I remember watching Big Trouble in Little China and being like, "I'm having these feelings." You know <laughs> what? Yeah, he, is I was having feelings
1: I'm just I have to um, from see, his, it and it's weird because his
0: body in that movie—it's like he's '80s buff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah, he's clearly strong, but not in the fucking veiny, yeah. like. I, I just think of them Steroidy. as arms, <laughs> Do you know, where they're like veiny and they're, it just like, I love the rock, but his arms kind of sometimes look like just, or like Vin Diesel. It's just too veiny and too, Ugh, I, I like a Kurt Russell body. Love it. So. so
1: much. Cause it's like the exact opposite of what my husband is. Eh. <laughs> just this cute little petite, little wavy kind of guy. Yeah. And then, Oh, I love the rock so much. He's like pretty much my, that's my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. Tony
0: yeah, You Like in your spank bank? Or? Yes.
1: Oh, okay. I'm okay. glad you picked up on that. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um so I you're also... watching Moana like, mm, you're, you're
1: welcome. <laughs> no, you're welcome. <laughs> I am welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Get it. Uh,
0: but yeah, we got all sexual. We're talking about Santa. Uh, it's hard not. What a sexy man that is. <laughs> it was really good. And, and Harold... He hasn't really been much of a movie watcher. He was okay with *The Wreck-it Ralph* too, but he was riveted by this movie the whole time because it had a car chase. Yeah, it answered all of his logistics questions mm-hmm. about how Santa works, like, like just watching, like, like he, the bag. We had to pause it because he wouldn't shut up. He was like, "Oh, so Santa can teleport, right?" Aww. And then he has the thing. and then, "Oh, okay, okay, I got it." Okay. You know, <laughs> like he was so just like, "Yes, this is," and I was like, "Good," because I can't, I I can't answer any of those questions for Dude, you. Dude,
1: you just say it's magic. Magic. Well, but that Harold doesn't work that way. Like, no, he's
0: already mansplaining. Oh, Jesus Christ! Just... No,
1: yeah. no, slap that shit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to say too, we're, we still do Santa, but we've been really lax this year about like the gifts are barely hidden. I think Clem might not believe, because she's just like, oh, what are you going to do after I go to bed, Mom? And I'm like, don't ask, don't tell. And she's like, mm. And I'm like, it's Christmas time. Don't ask me what I'm doing. Because I can't lie. I'm just a horrible liar. <laughs> so and she's like,
1: are you wrapping my <laughs> presents? And I was like, just go to bed. Well, I mean, when I'm confronted with um, those types of questions, I just literally don't answer. Like, I'll just look at them. Mm-hmm. No, I like what you said to Del. I tell the tulpa's. Is- well, uh, this was a couple of years ago and oh, it okay. was like, mom. So she was 10. And it wasn't directly about Santa. It okay. was more about who put, cause we have this little advent calendar thing that I put little trinkets in, in a little box every day. They go and they open it and they get a little trinket. And so she goes, mom, who puts, who puts those things in the advent calendar? And I said, well, do you want to know? Or would you rather just think about whatever you want to think about? She's like, I just want to think whatever I want to think, and yeah. that was it. I love that. So, but she's still believing, right? You said Absolutely, one hundred percent. God, I what, love it. She's, she's twelve high and I just yes. love that so much. And I think my whole stance on it is that I really think that that there is an element of whatever we think Santa is mm-hmm. that totally, truly, still exists, and I don't need these little twerpy little kids being magic ruiners to my little kids. Yeah. Being like, middle zone is not real. I just tell my kids, you know, do you want to live at that kid's house? (laughs) 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 I wonder what it's like for that kid on Christmas morning, knowing, you know, thinking that, that magic doesn't exist.
0: I do struggle with Santa. We actually kind of made the decision to do it when we had kids. But then the more I think about it and I love the magic and I I love everything about Christmas. Like I'm um, like, I love novelty Christmas music, like me weird Christmas songs. And, and again, the weird, like things that don't make any sense. Mm. That just makes me love it more. And I think around here where we live, solstice is really something to celebrate. Yeah. But I've also kind of struggled because I feel like Santa is, um, it's like a primer for Jesus. Mm. It's, you know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, it's this
1: guy. He's always watching you. He's judging what you're doing. You're going to be rewarded. I just love it that kids seem to think that Jesus and Santa are, like, interchangeable. Well, it's <laughs> it's like, it kind of is. So the night and of so Christmas, that's when Santa was born. <laughs> that is... <laughs> it's Santa's birthday. Santa's birthday. Yeah.
0: I think it's hard because I... Like I just said, I'm a horrible liar. I hate lying. Mm. I could never cheat for that reason on my spouse or my significant other because I just, I can't. Yeah. So it's hard for me to mm. to think that they're going to figure out that it
1: that I've been lying to them. I don't look at it like that. I don't okay. look at it like there's one day where you look at your mom, you're like, you fucking, liar. fucking lied this whole time. You piece of shit. You spent a bunch of money on a bunch of shit and you told me no. it was from someone else. I don't think it's like that. I think that... They're gonna believe as long as they want to believe, and I think that my eight-year-old is going to come to me one day and say, "Mom, I just just flat out yeah. just tell me." But my twelve-year-old is like, she'll believe forever. Oh. I swear, well,
0: to God. she she's kind of living in her own wonderland, right?
1: Still, yeah, yeah that's yeah. just
0: her. That's how she rolls.
1: Yeah, I love it. That's I love great. that so much. Do um, you remember when you figured out? I was fifth grade. And, yeah, it, and it was to be when it happened. And it was because other kids were like, yeah. you basically me. have five years of Santa. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think when it gets great. down to it, I'm just, I'm never going to admit Santa's not a jolly old man who comes down the chimney. I'll never, Oh shit. I just admitted that. No <laughs> scratch that. Santa is real. He just might not be a man in a red suit that comes down the chimney. But I don't know that. So you're saying that you
0: get, you are possessed by Santa and you do (laughs) Christmasy shit. So he just kind of is like, maybe, you know, maybe your eyeballs turn black and you are (laughs) wrapping. Because I remember at a certain point realizing like, oh my God, it says from Santa, that's totally my mom's handwriting. And do you remember how you felt when you yeah. figured it out? I, I personally felt like a complete shit heel. So it was that moment when I remembered all the times that I was like, mom, you don't give me anything good. Santa always gets me the best stuff. And my kids have totally said that shit to me where I'm like, you broke that thing. Well, Santa will just bring me another one. And I'm like, Oh, will Santa, <laughs> maybe Santa doesn't appreciate Tony, you. You're
1: have a little too much control in your house. What's up mm-hmm. with that?
0: What percentage are gifts from you and Josh, and what percentage are Santa?
1: I would say that Santa brings them one major gift. The one big thing. And then he fills their stocking. Yeah. The stocking and then Mm the one, like... And the one gift is, like, something that they have really wanted, and it's usually something that I confess that I would never buy for them. It's usually a stuffed animal. What's the hot thing this year for your kids? Well squishies. Oh, fucking squishies. Yep. Have you seen Dr. Squish on, on YouTube? No. She's this woman who lives in Japan and she buys all these squishies and she opens them up and my kids will watch her for hours. It's a fetish video. It is a it is a fetish video. <laughs> she she gets scissors and she cuts them open and then she's like, ooh, so squishy. And my kids are wow. like, yes, cut this one open. It's cut like- that one open.
0: The bullshit of the squishy where you and I are now paying nine ninety nine for a piece of foam That you better keep away from the fucking dog, because I'm not going to be able to explain to the dog that it's not for him. $10, Ginger. I know. For a fucking piece of foam that's shaped like a piece of toast that also looks like a (laughs) corgi. It
1: smells like a strawberry. I've been played. Yeah. (laughs) But that's mm-hmm. what consumerism is. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, and that's the game we play. My other struggle with
0: Santa, and I try to every year like grab a tag off of a tree somewhere and do a charity thing. But all the songs say that he comes whether you're rich or poor, and he doesn't. And it, yeah, I don't know.
1: See, I don't. I don't push Santa very much. My kids okay. actually don't care about sitting. On, they've never wanted to sit on Santa's lap. I feel like I force them to write a letter quote unquote, yeah. to Santa, because I need to see what, they, to know what they want, want yeah. specifically. Yeah, But I never am that mom that's like, you better be good. Santa's watching. What about these fuckers that I'm what looking about- at right here? Okay. Look at
0: those. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm staring right at two okay.
0: elves and they're staring back at me. No, they're That's, winking at you. I Look at hate that. The they're like
1: dee, 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 they creep da, me the fuck out. Da, de, 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 de. I'm not doing Elf on the Shelf. That's something that, that started up a few years ago, and I was like, no, okay, Elf on the Shelf. No. I swore to fucking God, I was never buying a goddamn Elf. I was never gonna to, do it. Never, ever, 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 I'm ever. Gonna, I'm gonna, then I can't take it. My no, don't move it. You're I'm, not. You're gonna move their magic. Don't. Touch I'm not gonna. Them. I'm not gonna move them. I'm just gonna, <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> there. Now you can do your dirty business. Now that they're faced towards the wall, I've turned their heads. <laughs> Less creepy. <laughs> okay, so I was now never going to do elves. It. My friend Marin is has told her kids no elf on the shelf was just invented by somebody who wants to make money, and, and she's right, and she is right. She's totally one hundred percent right. <laughs> and. <laughs> My daughter comes home from first grade and, and just kind of like, "Mom, um, all these, all the kids have an elf that lives at their house. When, when is the elf going to come and live at our house?" And at that mm-hmm. moment, I was like, "I don't, I don't want an elf. I no, don't, don't, I don't want an elf at all." No. And then a week later, one showed up at our house <laughs> because I was like, "This is way too cute. I actually really love it." I okay. love it for more of the like, they do funny things in the yeah. morning and so move want around. You like having more shit to do. Like I to really do. like it. Okay. I really, really, really All like right. it. 100%. So, like. You to come to my house and do it? So, Sugar, <laughs> it was our first elf. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they come with a little book and you get to name it and it's like, oh, I'm going to watch you and da 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 and report to Santa. I don't believe in that shit. Mm. I never am like, you guys better get along. The elves are watching you. Yeah. I'm more like to like see them do like funny, crazy things like play with a bag of marshmallows or like have fights with the flower. And anyway, so Marshmallow came. He's our second elf. And they do little fun things and I love it so much. Okay. And my kids are totally, there's that element of like, don't touch them. Yeah. Don't touch them because then they lose their magic. Like right now they're not magical because you fucking touched their heads and moved them around. But
0: They're going to wait till I blank and their heads will turn back around.
1: (laughs) Like five times.
0: I'm not into it, man.
1: No, I love it. Okay. I love it so much. And I also love that advent calendar thing. I like putting in little trinkets. I guess I like that element of like, there's not, it's not explainable. Yes. Which I think is a good lesson to learn in life. There's not a lot of things that can be explainable. Like love. Hmm. Kindness, UFOs, Donald Trump. These are things that you can't explain. No. Right? Yeah. And not everything is just so clear cut. So when there comes that day that my kids are like, Mom, I think you're Santa, I'd be like, Shut up. I don't know what you're talking about. I
0: do love that when you have a kid, you can totally pick and choose and you can carve your own traditions out. I have clients that are taken or something and they don't do christmas but then they celebrate solstice and so they make candles together mm. and they i don't know i think they do other things
1: but yeah and the pentagrams on the ground they can and, yeah no that's yeah i don't think that's, that's <laughs> satan <laughs> but okay. i don't
0: know what Satanists do for christmas i should i don't hmm, know and i bet it's fun um so. anyway,
1: <laughs> Satan christmas. But I will <laughs> say that my daughter had a friend once that she is no longer friends with because she would come over to our house and say, mm, "I don't really believe in Santa. Santa's not real." Um and this was when she was like 7. What a Della. bitch. And she's yeah, I let my little brother believe. Because, and her parents actually sat down and wow. told her when she was, like, five, Santa's not real. It's just us. You know that, right? At five?
0: So yeah. they didn't even do it, hardly.
1: So, so I know. God. So her daughter was, she was going along with the life for, like, two years and would come over and hang out with my beautiful daughter, who's like, yeah. oh, fairies and unicorns, yeah. you know, and all this. And she's like, no, it doesn't really exist.
0: Yeah. Well, another lesson I think you can get from Santa, which this girl clearly needed to learn, was don't shit on other people's joy.
1: Don't shit on the joy. That's exactly yeah. it. So well, that's why I'm like, yeah. oh, I wonder what it's like at their house. Don't You, you don't want to be there yeah. on Christmas, do you?
0: Yeah. So in my house, too... Almost everything comes from Santa, and then only a few things come from us. And it is usually like the boring, lame things. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, I'm looking forward to the day where I can be like, that was me the whole <laughs> time. That awesome <laughs> thing that you love. That was me. Me. Uh, I got me. it. See that? Me. Yeah. Look at that. Me. Me, 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 me. me, me, me
1: I paid ping, for all ping, of ping. it. I fucking worked for all of it. I obtained all of it. Make Santa chintzy this year. <laughs> Make him just only show up with like a candy cane or something and just the stockings. And then you throw all those other presents under the tree and make them all from you guys. I went to a white elephant party recently and I acquired a full on man Santa suit. You should take it with you and you should let Jeremy wear it. I have an elf costume. I will be wearing on Saturday. Oh my God. Imagine the sex. Yeah. The two (laughs) of you.
0: (laughs) 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 Yes. Oh, boy. Um, Put on some Mannheim steamroller and just really get it done.
1: (laughs) We'll switch it up. You wear the Santa suit. The elf costume,
0: it's great. Like, I didn't have to look for it. It was still sitting in my kitchen from last (laughs) December in a weird
1: Safeway bag. You've seen it. Uh, uh. So I
0: was just, yeah, so I'll just strap that back Mm. on and start doing the uh, running man. And that's going to happen. Well, the girls, Carol, I'm going to (laughs) be frantically dabbing behind them,
1: flossing. Yep, (laughs) or that. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm going to do all the dances. I don't care. I'll karaoke sober. I've
1: already worn that Santa suit like twice. I wore it at the Mm. I put it on at the White Elephant, and I put it on again here. I love it. I love it so much. I love it. I love White Elephant pies Yeah. They're the best.
0: I hear that. All right. Have we covered Christmas? And, and the? I will say, too, be kind to your friends with kids around this time of the year, because my brain is so fucking fried. I am. It is more colander esque than ever. And like last night... I think I just had this weird look on my face and I wasn't really responsive. And Jeremy's like, how are you doing? Are you okay? And it's like, I have so much on my mind right now because it's crunch time uh-huh. and I still have a bunch of people. And then I got Target gift cards for the bus drivers, the teachers. I like to get scratch offs from my postal worker, for my garbage man. See, you like
1: all that stuff. Well, I mean, yeah,
0: no, I love the joy of yes, the gifting. absolutely. I'm, did I come off as of some dick Scrooge? Like. <laughs> because I'm not. I fucking love Christmas. <laughs> and it's such a double-edged sword when it's over, it's this like kind of let down and but then mm-hmm. also like, oh, the first couple weeks of January when it's just dead everywhere and you can relax and yeah, just be.
1: I think this is the human condition. We love the the stress and the agitation mm. and the worked upness mm. about it and then we can let it go.
0: Well, that's the thing too, that I remind myself is uh, this is a choice. Like I'm choosing to, like, I don't have to, I don't have to get those gift cards. I don't have to go to this place or that Uh place. I don't have to be weirdly half asleep on Amazon ordering mystifying bullshit. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, it's my choice. Yeah. So I'm doing it to myself. So that's why I don't really complain about it very much. Yeah. It's a crazy choice. Yeah. Are we ready to talk about, UFO, Gremlins. Gremlins.
1: Gremlins! Oh, okay, you put the... Them in the blender. So,
0: when we transition subjects, we call that putting the gremlin in the blender, because our mogwai has gotten wet and has turned into a scaly gross thing, and that's <laughs> just like our podcast. <laughs> I think I'm an uh, expert on this now, <laughs> because Great. I've consumed everything I could find about it. This is the story of the Maury Island UFO. Is that
1: Robert... Is that that Robert De Niro? (laughs) It's a picture. uh, She's looking at the cover
0: of one of the four books that I purchased to research this subject. Mm -hmm. And it's the Maury Island UFO, The Chrisman Conspiracy. So that's Fred Chrisman. We're going to be talking about him a lot. Okay. Written by a man named Ken Thomas with two N's for Maximum Ken. I also read a book called The Maury Island UFO Encounter by George Dudding. My favorite was... The Coming of the Saucers by Kenneth Arnold and Raymond Palmer, which was written in 1952, so really close to the time of the incident. And Kenneth Arnold's a lot of fun. I loved reading that book because he would use terms like, I thought he was all wet, you know, and that was real (laughs) swell of him. And uh, it's pretty cute. So take yourself back to... As we all know, summers in the Pacific Northwest are the best kept secret. It's beautiful here. We are uh 1947, June 21st at about two o'clock in the afternoon. A man named Harold Dahl is on his boat with his 15-year-old son, Charles, their dog, and a couple other random dudes whose names I was never able to find. And he's tooling around uh Puget Sound near the eastern side of Moray Island, which i Kind of referred to as Vashon Island's wiener. It's this. It's not a real island. It's got a little isthmus connecting it. One of the things I encountered with this case is a ton of disinformation, misinformation. Harold's referred to as a harbor patrolman. He's not. Uh, Fred Chrisman was not on the boat with him. They're not harbor patrolmen. That was a point in time when uh, logging in this a huge industry in this area, and so they just float the logs down these rivers, and then they would collect them and. Take them to the sawmill. And so some logs would get loose. And so these guys would make a living c- collecting these loose logs and then taking them to the sawmill. Because a good log okay. could get you like $1,000, which is like $1.5 in 1947. So well, the
1: trees are bigger back then.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So they were out doing that and they saw six donut shaped craft kind of, he kind of describes them as like squashed donuts with five foot portholes. And it's unclear too, whether they're really donuts or it could be that they were, there was a light coming from the center that was so bright that it looked like sunlight was shining through. So these craft come up and one of them seems to be having problems, technical difficulties. So it's kind of wobbling. And another one of the craft hovers over it for about two to four minutes, like assisting After that time period, they hear, like, a muffled explosion. And then this struggling UFO poops out all this shit all over them. It just dumps these... Pieces of paper-like metal and these chunks of black slag-like material that are hot, so they hiss when they hit the water. And apparently there's 20 tons of this material. So this shit is raining down. It kills the dog. It burns Charles's arm. It causes damage to the boat. Sounds like they scurried for land and just sought shelter because the stuff's just raining down. According to Dahl and Chrisman's reports, 20 tons of this stuff rain down on this piece of Maury Island and into the water. They go back to shore. They're like, holy shit, that's crazy. Another thing that's really debated or unclear. So Fred Chrisman was not Harold Dahl's boss. He did not own the boat. It just sounds like Harold Dahl saw him as a mentor or something. So him and his dudes go back to shore. They have thrown the dog overboard and... I don't know why. Well, it's dead. Well, it's dead, but like, I would, if that happened to beef, I'd want to give him a good burial in the yard, you know? Like, well, I would just dump him this in is the 40s. water. people don't care about pets. The other theory, too, is it's like maybe the dog was so gross, like it got yeah, so a jacked motivated. up. Uh, yeah, that they just dumped it in the water. Hmm. So they go back to shore. Doll runs straight to Chrisman, starts telling him the story. Chrisman thinks that they're drunk. He goes out the next day. So Fred Chrisman is like, I'm going to go check this shit out. He goes to that section of Maury Island. He finds a, also reports these 20 tons of material. Just this stuff is just everywhere. And he oh, also sure. did, it, did it sink. I think the stuff that felt, yeah, because it was, it was heavy. Like the black stuff was heavy. I didn't, you know, I kind <sighs> of imagined, to be honest, the, um, paper, like, tinfoily metal material, oh, okay. maybe floating. Okay. It seems like it would. But I mean, this case, I just got worse and worse the more I read because so many different sources, no two articles were the same. You know, I'm looking at MUFON's website. They say it happened in July. I'm looking at this website. They're giving different, you know, just a couple little things in each recounting. were different and it was driving me insane like maybe they spelled the names wrong maybe they said this person or that person was there it, it's just like it got to the point where that i'm so deep into this story and then some adjacent conspiracies that i'm like maybe that's how deep the cover up goes what are the odds that everybody's getting everything wrong so then i it started speaking to me that there is some kind of disinformation campaign because why is nothing matching up in this age of information? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what to think anymore. I don't know if I'm really here or if you're really here. <laughs> I don't know what's the truth. I don't know what's reality. I, yeah, I'm just a fucking
1: This is where I need to, to slap you. I should feel like I need I to, to slap slap read myself.
0: Yeah, go. it just, it's a crazy maker. So yeah, Dahl has the sighting. He reports back to Chrisman. Chrisman's like, y'all drunk. You're, you're being weird, whatever. Get out of here. Uh, and Dahl is just kind of telling everybody at the thing, like, you guys, I I saw this thing. I have to preface too. Again, we're in 1947. There had been some science fiction writings about aliens, saucers, stuff like that, but it wasn't a huge part of popular culture at that point. Up until kind of the end of this story, they're not thinking aliens, they're thinking, oh, the Russians got a hold of some German uh, scientists, like okay. some Operation Paperclip kind of shit. Like, they're like, is this, yeah, is this the Russians? Is this, who's making okay. this technology? Where did they get it? What are they doing here? So another fun thing about this case is that it is the first known mentioning of a man in black, you know, men in black, like, oh, like uh- you know. Cover uppers? Uh, yeah, the, the the dudes that show up after uh, an alien experience and they wear black suits. They're not supposed
1: to be picturing
0: Will Smith and, and, and Tommy Jones right now. I mean, those movies are fun, but uh, this
1: is more creepy
0: and scary. And okay. they usually drive a newer model black car. They wear the black suits. Sometimes they look like they're masquerading as humans. They wear weird makeup. They're not Wait, they're, acting quite they're not, right. They're
1: aliens? What, what's going on? I don't know.
0: I don't know. So. Harold Dahl goes home after his experience the next morning, very early. He gets a knock on his door from a man driving a brand new shiny black Buick, uh, black hat, black suit, who is able to recount to him his own experience to the point of detail that Harold Dahl was like, were you there? Harold Dahl too, like he answers the door. Cause I guess at that point it wasn't uncommon for these dudes that were these like log brokers to, to have someone show up pretty early in the morning, and be like, Hey, you got any logs? So this guy shows up and he's like, you had this happen. He's like, let's go out to breakfast. So, and this is another thing where there's all these different versions, but I'm going with this one. So he says, follow me. We're going to go together. So he has Dahl get in his car and follow him to a cafe where they sit And, you know, once again, the man in black is like, all right, so this is what all happened to you. And doll's like, yeah, how do you, you know, how do you know? And the man in black is, he says, you need to shut the fuck up about this. He's like, if you talk about this, uh, your life's going to go to shit. Nothing good's going to happen. You just need to keep this to yourself. So Harold doll's like, all right, dude, whatever. So they end their breakfast. The man in black leaves. Harold doll pretty much goes back to what he was doing, which is like telling anyone who would listen about (laughs) these squished donut saucer things. And this is also, it's a little bit debated, but this or another case I'm about to get into that kind of tie into it is where the term flying saucers came from. So that was June 21st. On June 24th, A man named Kenneth Arnold was flying from Chehalis to Yakima. He was a fire extinguisher salesman. So he was servicing clients. He had a little plane he would just fly around in and and go meet up with clients and stuff. And there had been a plane crash on this kind of sounds like the southwestern side of Mount Rainier. And there's a reward for anyone that could find this downed military plane. He's flying around looking for this plane. And he sees a bunch of kind of little bitty UFOs and they're flying in formation. He describes them as looking like saucers sweeping along the water. So that's kind of where the saucer thing comes in. It sounds like they're pretty small. So he immediately starts telling people about it. And a couple weeks go by and Kenneth Arnold gets contacted by this guy, Ray Palmer, who is the editor and runs like a science fiction magazine. And so he tells Kenneth Arnold, I'm gonna give you 200 bucks, which I think actually does translate to like $2,500 at that time. He's like, I want you to go to Tacoma and talk to these two dudes about what they saw. Kenneth Arnold's kind of the first like UFO celebrity, he seems, he comes off as just very likable and just stand-up guy. So first of all, he he flies into Tacoma. I think there was something going on. He said it was really, he was having a really hard time finding a place to stay. And he's calling around. And there was a really popular, well-known hotel called the Winthrop Hotel in Tacoma. You know, hi, this is Kenneth Arnold. I'm looking for a room. And they're like, oh, yeah, you, you have a reservation here. And he's like, what? They're like, yeah, yeah, Kenneth Arnold. We've got a room for you reserved. So he's like okay, well, I didn't do that. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll stay. He's like, if the, if the guy who reserved this room, the other Kenneth Arnold shows up, I'll totally move. But you're saying I have this room reserved? So I'll take it. So he goes and checks into room 502 in the Winthrop Hotel. He also gets in contact with this guy, E.J. Smith, who was a commercial airline pilot who also had a sighting. Um, he had been... I think him and Kenneth were kind of acquaintances and... Smith had been kind of giving him shit for this UFO sighting. Then he had one of his own. I love it too. Cause his story flying the plane, they call the, the stewardess up. Um, they didn't tell her that, why they wanted her up there. So they call her up and they're like, could you look, just look out the window and tell us what you see. And she says, uh, why there's a formation of those flying discs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they saw five discs and then four more came into view. So then EJ Smith, who Kenneth, and I'm just going to call him Smithy as well, he calls him Smithy. I just love that. I, he's So oh, Kenneth yeah. Arnold's one of those guys, he, yeah, everybody gets yeah, a nickname. Schmitty. If you're hanging out with Kenneth Arnold, everybody gets a nickname. <laughs> I love it. So then he calls Smithy, and he's like, hey, you got a couple days, days off. You want to come hang out with me and kind of try to figure out this Maury Island thing? So Smithy's like, sure. So in the book too, there's a lot of like, they're going back and forth and the, he's got to take Smithy to get shit. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, a lot of like weird white guys doing stuff. <laughs> um, so then he gets in contact with Chris Doll, Arnold and Smithy. And, they meet up. And so, yeah, Chrisman had gone out the next day after Dahl's report. And he also saw a single one of these donuts kind of hovering around as he checked out and collected some of the material from Maury Island. So at that point, he's like, oh, OK, so Dahl really saw some stuff. So first, Kenneth Arnold gets in contact with Harold Dahl. Harold Dahl comes to room 502 and is immediately like, you don't want any part of this. You need to Stop. Don't dig into this. Don't look into it. Just go home, dude. Just go home. So after like an hour and a half of back and forth where Arnold's like, dude, just, just tell me what's up. And then finally, Doll's uh, like, fine, fine, fine. I'll tell you my story. I really wish you would just leave. But if you insist on pursuing this, here's the story. So he tells him the story. And then you know he's like, yeah, let's get Chrisman over here. Everything kind of centers around this room five hundred two in the Winthrop Hotel. So Smithy, Arnold, Chrisman, Doll—they're hanging out. They're shooting the shit. They're drinking some coffee. So then also too, they decide they're like, okay, what else do we need to do? Who else should we contact? So they contact uh, Air Force intelligence officers. So uh, they come up and. They're looking into it. They're also kind of looking. They're like, great, you're here to Arnold. They're like, uh, we're going to look into your your thing, too. So they come up. They're kind of checking some shit out. The way that Arnold tells it, at a certain point, they just seem to basically get turned off by the whole story. And they're like, okay, this is fine. We're going to go. Chrisman's like, do you want a box of the shit? Like, I collected some of it. Also, too, doll had taken photographs. And the photographs had apparently turned out like they'd been um, like the film had been exposed to radiation. It had like white dots all over it and stuff. So you couldn't really see the UFOs too much. And the film was kind of melted, but it's weird too, because it hasn't been that long since the incident. And Chrisman's like, Oh yeah. Oh, where did I put those photographs? Oh, um, they're in my cabin. Let's all go up to my cabin. There's a lot of like running around, like let's all go over here. Oh, never mind. Let's all go over here. Um, So I think by that point, Arnold and Smithy are just like, you know what? No, we need to get on with our lives. So they didn't get the photographs as the two military intelligence officers, Davidson and Brown are leaving room 502. They're like getting in the car. Chrisman comes running up. He's like, I got a bunch of shit. I got, I got the, I got the stuff. So he's got a cornflakes box, not like a cereal box, but the box that boxes of cornflakes would come in full of just this, these pieces of crap. And he kind of tosses it over to the, to Davidson and Brown, the military intelligence officers. And they're like, I don't know, fine, whatever they take the box and they take off. They are in a hurry to get out of town because they want to get back down to where they've come from, which is Hamilton air force base in San Francisco, because it's the next day is going to be air force day, which is basically the first day of the air force's existence. They're splitting off from the army becoming their own thing. It's this huge deal. So they're like, we can't miss air force day. We got to get back which unfortunately they become the first Air Force fatality because as they're driving their plane with a couple other guys that just needed a ride back down to San Francisco, their plane crashes near Kelso and Davidson and Brown both die. The two guys that were kind of just t- getting a ride, they parachute out to safety. They're fine. So there's speculation that the box of stuff somehow affected the relays on the plane or some of its functionality. Apparently what happened was one of the engines caught fire. There's a fire extinguisher in there that malfunctioned and then the wing broke off and they had their parachutes on, but they just didn't bail out soon enough and they both died. Another interesting thing that had happened in all of this running around Tacoma was that doll had some material or something that he wanted to show um, Arnold at this woman's house who was his accountant. She was described as like a 40 year old widow with four kids. Um, so he takes Arnold to this house, and Arnold very vividly describes this house. Uh, specifically like the the screen door opened one way. And then he he remembered that the other, the interior door opened the other way. And he thought that was weird and interesting. And he describes going into the house and there's a piano in the living room. And then there's a table filled with like accounting paperwork. And so they kind of hang out there for a while. I think they go back there another time. And then right before Arnold's about to leave town, he tells Smithy, I want to take you to this, to this place. I want to go check one more time with this lady. And so they go, they find the house. It looks like it's been unoccupied for months. Nobody's in there. Cobwebs everywhere. Not even like dust where furniture had been. It looks like no one's been there for a very, very long time. And he knows that's the house. So there's like some weird, fun things like that that come up. Another interesting sidebar. So, Dahl, his his son's arm was burned by this UFO poop. And he said he took him to the hospital. No one's been able to find any record of him being treated. I also don't get why no one's checking this kid's arm for like a scar if they're trying to verify the story, a burn mark. So apparently after the incident, Dahl's children were both immediately shipped off to other relatives. But then there's a story that... Charles Dahl disappeared for a few days and was found either in Lusk, Wyoming or Lust, Montana, uh, busting tables in a restaurant with no memory of how he got there, what was going on, what he was doing there. Uh, so they found him and they brought him back home. His daughter, Louise. So apparently his daughter was still living in Aberdeen until she passed away. And she had no memory of like the whole incident. She had no idea what they were talking about when they were like, "Yeah, do you remember in 1947?" I think she said she was two years older than Charles, so she would have been 17. Like, remember when your dad, you know, had that experience? And she was like, "Don't know what you're talking about." That's kind of interesting too, because she's like, "That didn't happen," and I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you would at least remember the incident. There's tons of newspaper articles about this. Like, it was huge in the news, and it and so this incident kicked off this flap of UFO activity. This was June 21st and you've got Kenneth Arnold on June 24th. Then you've got Roswell, a couple weeks after that, mm-hmm. people are seeing this shit all over the place. The last 30% to the coming of the saucers book is just Raymond Palmer's compilation of UFO sightings kind of throughout the millennia. So I kind of just skimmed through that. Cause it was like, this lady saw this on this day. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, he puts people's full addresses in there. Like Mrs. So-and-so at 4785 Northeast 75th, where I'm like, Oh, she's <laughs> in Ballard where I'm like, why are you putting people's full <laughs> addresses? Uh, and then another interesting Story was some town in England in, like, the late 1700s where some UFO hovered above the town for seven hours. <laughs> I guess you would just kind of go to work after a while. <laughs> seven hours, you'd be like, holy shit. And then you'd be like, okay. Um I'm kind of hungry. Yeah. Seven hours. How unnerving, though, to just have this thing just... I also learned from this case that... uh I don't fucking like UFOs. I like aliens, but UAPs and UFOs can suck my dick. Why? I just. I think. I don't know. Maybe this case made me hate them. I don't know. It's the 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 UFOs aren't really what does it for me. I want to know what like what's in the UFO. I want what's in the UFO to come out and poke me in the butt. Okay. So the other interesting thing was. Room 502 in the Winthrop Hotel is kind of like a base. So that, that's where they're having all their meetings. When people want to talk to them, that's where they meet up. And the whole time they're getting these phone calls from this guy, Ted Morello, who was apparently down in Arizona. So they would have a meeting and within minutes they would get a call from Morello that's like, Hi, so you guys just had a meeting. You talked about this, that, and this. Specific phrases were mentioned. Smithy and Arnold tore the room apart. They never found any kind of a bug. And then Morello saying that they're getting phone calls. They're getting anonymous tips of like, yeah, they just had a meeting in room 502. Here's what happened. Here's what they talked about. Here's what they did. That's kind of interesting, too, that this room was booked for him, and it was clearly, like, prepped. Arnold hadn't told anyone where he was going or what he was doing. Smithy's basically, like, at a certain point, he's just like, dude, I gotta gotta go back to work. (laughs) Like, we've been fucking around with this for a bunch of days. Yeah, so they kind of just ended their investigation. Harold Dahl and Fred Chrisman... Them. So this this case is right, widely regarded as a hoax because Dahl and Chrisman said that it was a hoax. Dahl basically said to the investigators, like, if y'all don't leave me alone, I'm just going to say it's a hoax. I want my life back. It's interesting because the whole reason you perpetuate a hoax is for fame. And Dahl's basically mm. saying, I don't want this attention. Fine. It was a hoax. Fuck all y'all. I don't yeah. care. Okay. Another theory is that Chrisman, who is also possibly a CIA disinformation agent, which dream job all he did was just go around and fuck shit up everywhere he's also very tenuously tied to the jfk assassination which is another thing that i don't give a fuck about i'm not into it it's a world i don't even want to dip a toe into and i had to get a foot in with this moore island ufo the chrisman conspiracy book because yeah they've got him doing all kinds of weird shit so another theory is that chrisman was covering up for the government dumping nuclear waste from Hanford into puget sound if you know anything about where Hanford is and where More Island is, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Because also, too, that area is pretty populated. Uh, Hanford's right on the Columbia River. You want to dump some shit somewhere. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You've got, if you're over in Hanford, there are so many places where you can dump some shit, where there are no people, where mm-hmm. no one would see you. That doesn't make any sense to me. This Christman guy, so that's a whole other tangent that I got into. Yeah, some reports say that. You know, Chrisman and Arnold disappeared. Basically, right after all of this, well, not Arnold, Chrisman and Dahl. So Chrisman got on a plane to Alaska, uh, like a military one, and he was he was a fighter pilot. So he was whatever drafted back into the Korean War. This Chrisman guy, though, so he passed away at fifty six. All three of these guys, Doll, Chrisman, Arnold, lived here and died here. So, Arnold died in Bellevue. Chrisman died in the VA hospital. I think Dahl was like in Aberdeen. So, Chrisman, in addition to possibly being a CIA disinformation agent and having multiple offices in New Orleans and other places. He's like an anti-communist agent, I guess. So he'd go places where people thought maybe there was a union forming or some communist type of stuff, and he'd just go throw a monkey wrench into it. He sounds like a lot of fun. So he was a brakeman on the Union Pacific Railroad. He was a science and fantasy writer of Pulp Fiction and wrote articles for Raymond Palmer's Fate magazine and Flying Saucers magazine. Fred Chrisman, under the name John Gold, was the host of a radio show on KAYE Radio out of Puyallup. He wrote a book called The Murder of a City about Tacoma because he was from Tacoma, and he was really fucked up about how Tacoma's city government worked and was always trying to change that. He served on the Tacoma Library Board of Trustees. He worked for the Washington State Department of Veterans Affairs. He's a high school teacher and school administrator at several, several schools in the states of Washington and Oregon. He was employed by Boeing in the 60s, and, of course, you know, I keyed in God, on that. What didn't he do? And he died at 56. Like, he did all this shit. Oh, this so, okay. So the Boeing thing was interesting, because it said... Uh, Apparently it was when Boeing was kind of changing from being just airplanes to aerospace, and he was just in there like fucking shit up. He was a lieutenant or possibly a captain in the U.S. Air Force in World War II, served two and a half years in the Korean War as a fire pilot. Uh, he, He said he was part of the OSS, but they... The OSS and CAIA deny that. So this is interesting too. He applied for a job as a security guard at Los Alamos National Laboratories in '47, but didn't be, did not take the job when it became available. So it's interesting to me that he has this experience here in '47, and then it sounds like shortly afterwards wants to go down to Los Alamos, which. I think is pretty close to Roswell. And then he died in 1975. I mean, he's all over the place. So one of the things about Chrisman that ties him into the JFK thing was he was subpoenaed in the JFK hearings. And he, some people say that he's one of, and this is for, if you know anything about JFK, I'm not going to get into it but there were men identified as the quote unquote three hobos that were in the area that were questioned at the time. And people think that he may have been one of those three hobos, but at the same time he is on the time card at a high school around here. And it said that he showed up for work. However, that time card is written all in the same handwriting. So it's not like it was like a punch machine thing. Like, I don't know. I think someone could have fabricated that. So if you want to believe that he was involved with the JFK shooting, I think. You can believe whatever the fuck you want. So, yeah. I think. I can, I've got four piles of notes here. But that is the story of the Mori Island incident. Oh, And yeah, so here it is about Louise Dahl. It's like she didn't recall anything about the whole affair and had to be told the story. So... Yeah, Harold. How at, old
1: was she at the time?
0: She, you know, she probably would have been in her like 40s or 50s at, at the point that they were questioning her about this. Because also too, like Harold Dahl's wife, one set of information said that she died at the age of like 46. Another set of information said that she was interviewed when she was in her 80s about this. So. It's like the more I read, the more confusing it was, the more upset I was. And um, there was another reporter named Paul Lance that worked for the local paper that kept kind of showing up and bugging them to talk. And he died shortly thereafter. I think Morello died shortly thereafter. Okay,
1: so are we assuming that it's so convoluted because there's disinformation being thrown around so that it gets more and more convoluted so nobody can really follow it? Is that, is that where your mind is at? Yeah. I almost
0: feel like that. Why can't people coordinate? Why, why does everybody have a different story here? Oh, here we go. So Chrisman worked at the security section of Boeing. He was given a roving assignment as a personal representative, Uh, the security section of Boeing. They were aware he was a type of government agent, but they thought he was an air force intelligence agent. Yeah. So he's just there kind of running around, Doing stuff, so nobody really knew what his job was. He would turn people against each other and get people kind of fighting so that shit just wouldn't get done. I just love that idea of a disruption agent. Mm. Just yeah, we just want you to go to this place where these people are trying to do this thing and just fuck it up. Just start fights, make it weird. He, so he's kind of this weird tangential mm. character in the conspiracy theory community, but I, he sounds like a real fun guy. And so does Kenneth Arnold. Ooh, this story's a sausage fest too. Like aside from the weird <laughs> widow that never said a word, and a couple of wives, like, it was just, like, all these dudes that just have this agency to run around half-cocks. They're going over here, they're going over there, and they didn't have to answer to anybody. That's what I kept thinking the whole time of, like, oh, they didn't have to get a sitter, did they? They just (laughs) run around, and in the meantime, their wife is just at home, just like, I wonder where my husband is. I don't know. Flying around in his plane somewhere. I'm a white guy in the 40s in America. I can do whatever I want. And they did. (laughs) The end. So... Yeah. And a lot of these little um, UAPs, if you will, they're little bitty things. And so one theory is that the atomic bomb thinned some sort of membrane, and that there are these two competing alien cultures that like one is sort of protecting us and one wants to dominate us. And so so there was some sort of thinning in the membrane. And so we were able to see their activities for this period of time in 1947. And right? How's that sound?
1: Sound good? Mm, it just right. it just creates more doubt in my mind. Everything, I'm yeah. just like more and more. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think it was a total hoax
0: because I think at that point UFOs weren't well known enough. I don't know. I don't yeah. see the point of this being a hoax. Yeah. I think it's an interesting disinformation campaign to just sow doubt maybe about all future sightings or something. But I think that Dahl was just like you know what? Never mind. I didn't see anything. Fuck it. Whatever. Leave me alone. But I don't think it was like a hoax hoax. And I, as fucked up and confusing as the story is, I still get mad when people are like, man, I didn't get the hoax. I don't know. Look into it. Make up your own mind. Don't just read that it was a hoax and then blow it off. How is this any more of a hoax than this or that or Roswell? Something happened here. There were so many sightings during this time. Something was going on. But it is interesting that yeah, no one was like aliens. That they were like, you know, the Russians or somebody. That wasn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I was all excited to do an alien story, and then I just got there, there's angry no aliens. And there's, there's no aliens. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, no more. I wanna I wanna read about some anal- some probing
1: and some shit. I don't want any more <laughs> of these. Just like up in the sky, it's a fucking symbol from a drum kit. Well, so this whole time I'm just thinking, um, there's a lot of similarities in some of the weird, fucked up stories that come from my dad's side of the family. Mm-hmm. I know it's very juicy, Lorraine story type. I know. Ooh. Well, my grandmother. Well,
0: we, no, we have to table it because you got to go get sweet baby Jay. Okay. Um, but well, I let's, will. I
1: will drop a nugget him. I'm going to drop. Okay, the drop nugget. a nugget right my into my bowl. My grandmother was staunchly well she was very convinced that aliens existed and okay. she hanging out with her she would always go on about stories of aliens and stuff and my dad he was an air force pilot and he worked he had a little plane where he flew around all the time around this area actually so Maybe and he Kenneth has some Arnold. very interesting stories too. And he doesn't talk about a lot of things, and he and he is very reserved. But he has said before that he is kind of clairvoyant and can has predicted when the okay. when when the Mount St. Helens was going to erupt, and and apparently Mount Rainier is a huge hot spot for UFO sightings yeah, in general. So yeah. I don't know. So popular. so in that whole story, I'm like, oh my god, sounds. A bit like some of the shit I've heard from my side of the family, All right. but I never, I never put any weight into it because I was like, mm. whatever, just crazy family members. Oh my god, I'd be like, yes, that sounds crazy.
0: Tell me everything, <laughs> everything. Do <laughs> you know what in my family is that? <laughs> mean? And I'm just uh, like, oh, that's crazy. I don't want to think about it. Blah. Oh, think about it, talk about it, know about it. Once again, check out just the tipsters. Listen to Melissa. She won't talk about. Aliens, I don't think. She's true crime all the time. Um, she's great and we love her and she's at we're actually gonna get to speak with her on the telephono. It's gonna be so fun. Next week. Oh, I'm so excited. So yeah, come find us at the at PodCon and Peace out. We'll sandwich you in a hug. Merry Christmas. I made a bunch of memes too. I'm gonna post them on our Instagram. Merry Christmas.
1: Yes.
0: Bye. Hello, tipsters. This is Melissa Morgan. I'm the host of just the tipsters true crime podcast because people are awful and they kill each other tipsters this is melissa morgan the host of just the tipsters true crime podcast have you ever wanted to kill anyone hey tipsters my name is melissa morgan and i'm the host of just the Tipsters true crime podcast america's favorite true crime podcast you can find us on apple pod i don't know where the- you can find us how about that just can find us and listen and we're and you'll really like it is that okay <laughs> Just the Tipsters with Melissa Morgan is actually available on iTunes,
1: Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe. Rate. Review. You'll be glad you did.